Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into yet another edition of Not Views from the 573. I don't know what this one is called, but I am your host today. The, you know, for this very special edition of, uh, what the heck do we call this show? Um, I, I'm not supposed to introduce the other guys yet. Entertainment from the top. That's it. Entertainment from the 573. And it's a very special edition here today as we're going to be talking and kind of reminiscing about the, uh, you know, definitely not split fanhood, definitely not the controversial in any way imaginable. They definitely did not subvert anyone's expectations. The (laughs) wonderful, beautiful Star Wars prequels. And of course, by my side, as always, is... The, lo- the beloved one, the popular one, the one everybody enjoys, the the, the the funnest one of them all, the Revenge of the Sith to our little table here, Ryan McDaniel. Ryan, how you doing? Hello there, everybody. Uh, how are you guys doing? Uh, Ooh, General Kenobi. Oh uh, yeah, General <laughs> Kenobi's making an appearance. The memes are off the start. The memes are off to the start line, folks. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guys, I have a bad feeling something bad is about to happen here because li- uh... li- 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 listen. I'm glad Matt is doing the intro for this because if Peter's doing it, we're going to give him unlimited power. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you what. We should have back to this, Ryan, because I already botched this intro. And speaking <laughs> of our little phantom menace over there, Peter Lewis, how you doing? Uh, very good. I... I don't have another meme besides the obvious one, so we'll just move along. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Oh, and... that's that's one. The Stormtrooper. Move along. Move along. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let's bro, if you've seen the Star Wars meme community, they're grasping for straws these days, so that counts. <laughs> I really enjoy, uh, I, I, and we'll get into it, I really enjoy that Obi-Wan hello there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a fun gift to use. Oh, no. I, I was thinking that when they uh, announced the Obi-Wan show back at, what, D23, I thought he was going to say it and everybody was going to go freaking wild. Well, that's what I've been using in, like, everyday life for a little while now here, is I'll just be like, oh, hello there. <laughs> and, and I noticed, so uh, the, the past few weeks, me and Rebecca have been rewatching them with a couple of friends of ours, and, and one of the girls, uh, she's seeing it for the first time. And I said hello there to her the day after we watched episode three. And I saw her face, like, be like, oh, I got you. Like, that's, that's a reference there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm happy to see that, that people are catching on. Yep. But anyway, guys, so yes. Here tonight we are going to be discussing the Star Wars prequels, episodes 1, 2, and 3, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. Uh, where do we want to start with this? Well, let's just say this is the uh, retrospective series. We did one episode, like, what, February with The Dark Knight? Yeah, we and we did another a few months later with the uh, with 7 and 8 with Last Jedi and Force Awakens. Oh, that's right. That was what that episode was supposed to be. <laughs> I thought it was just to torture me. That's interesting. <laughs> well, it was so awesome. yeah. ruined Peter Lewis's life for a week. Yeah. <laughs> but, yes, today we are, or tonight, rather... We'll be talking about the uh, Star Wars prequels, not really reviewing them because, no. let's be real, they've been they've been just stabbed to death over the years anyway. Like, there's nothing else interesting we can add at this point could, other than dumb jokes. Could, could you just, could you say they've been stabbed to death like Anakin stabbed the younglings? Oh my god, I cannot wait to get to that scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's more or less like, 
how we fought of them when they first came out to now. Maybe, like, talk about how their legacy has gone from, like, the scourge of society to being something that we're, people desperately want back now. Yeah, I, I, I do have a couple of other kind of broad general questions that I'll throw to you guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. In regards to the prequels. but Oh, I got a big one for episode two that I need answered. Ben. Oh, okay. That's oh, fine. Oh. All right. Uh, but let's just start, guys. What are your general thoughts? On well, let's just say this is where the fun begins. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, do, do you want me to go first since I'm the... Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, listen, I'm not as... Uh, I, I'm, I, I think it's pretty clear. I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. Out of out of us three, I'm probably the uh, lower on the totem pole. Uh, the, uh, of course, with Peter hating Last Jedi, I, I was second, <laughs> but like that, that that wasn't saying much. But you know, listen, I didn't, I wasn't fully in depth into Star Wars. I don't think until Force Awakens come out, we had the hype really? train. It will really like I knew the stuff. I knew the uh, oh, big moments. I knew that I am your father. Some of the uh, prequel stuff. And I believe, and I'd seen the prequels, and I believe, and this still holds true, my favorite one to watch was Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Revenge of the Sith is a very easy, fun watch. And I think, oh, yeah. and I think, I was listening to a podcast talking about, I think it got an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, too. So, listen, it didn't do too bad with the critics. But, I remember, like, listen, Force Awakens, I caught the hype train before and after, then we had Last Jedi. We all know how that turned out. But with uh, with the first couple ones, of course, the Phantom Menace coming out in 99, uh, wa- watching that, seeing all that play out. Uh, no, and let's listen, Attack of the Clones. Oh, man. Ugh. Listen, that stuff between Anakin and Padme, I just I ignored it then. Looking at it now, it's like, yeah. I didn't really like it. it. It wasn't for me, but it's not for anybody. Uh, n- n- no, oh, oh. I, I argue it's gotten to the point where it's kind of so bad it's good. It's like the room of romances, Ooh. but we'll get to that later. <laughs> but uh, Revenge of Sith, it was my favorite one. I like a good villain origin story, and we got to see that. And I really, I, Revenge of Sith is my favorite. I'd had Phantom Menace at number one. And then, of course, Tactic Clones at number two. Uh, a couple I- interesting Wait, things. Hey, hang on. You have Finny Minutes at number one? Uh, no, 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 no. Revenge of Sith at number one. Okay, Phantom Minutes number uh, two. Uh, yeah, Phantom Minutes number two, and then Tactic Clones number three. Uh, one of the interesting things that I notice is the Darth Vader imagery in this one. Like, I believe, I think it might have been in, it, it might have been in Phantom Menace, or it might have been Tactic Clones. It might have been both. But I, it's when he, he's on the boo and there's a shadow. Now, I, I think with one of them, it was just a case of lighting. And in the other case, it was just like, that's how the shadow appeared. But you can see Anakin's shadow. And the shadow looks like Darth Vader on like uh, places in the boo. Well, the uh, teaser poster for episode one yeah. had child Anakin on Tatooine. And the shadow was Darth Vader on the wall. So they... they... yeah. They were very yeah. obvious with the imagery in the films. And I think the way Anakin's hair is always done yeah. is in a way that from certain angles, silhouettes will look like the helmet. Right, you know, like, yeah. Like in, in the episode two with the, uh, like what is it called, the rat tail, I guess, ponytail yeah. kind of thing going on. Yeah. yeah. Like whenever he is like facing away from you, 
and he just kind of lit up. Oh, I'm sorry, whenever it's his face, whenever you're looking at it from a profile, from the side. Um, that ponytail kind of makes it look a little bit like the, the helmet, and then his hair in episode three, if you see him directly head on, uh, the outline kind of looks like the helmet. Yeah. So I think I, all that's very intentional. Yeah, it, it is. And I enjoyed that part where, like, this, this is essentially all, all these movies are essentially Anakin's origin story uh, of how yeah. he became Darth Vader. That That's what you can boil it down to. And then, of course, the the big one, the main one in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, but yeah, Revenge, Revenge of the Sith is my favorite one. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of exposure again to Star Wars. I knew the stuff. I knew the big moments. Uh, uh, all, all that stuff. All the stuff that everybody calls memes nowadays. I was aware of some of that stuff. But it, I'm not, I wasn't as fully aware of, it, aware of it and paid attention to it as you guys did. I paid more attention to it when, uh, when Force Awakens, when... I got to watch all the movies, like watching the prequels and then watching the original trilogy. So that's kind of my thoughts on the on the prequel movies. Yeah, I guess to transist, uh, I was definitely a Star Wars kid, but it was a awkward journey to get there, to say the least. So of course, Episode One came out in '99. I was like four years old, actually three going on four. If it, yeah, that's how math works. <laughs> And uh, so, prior to episode one releasing, my parents took me, but I had never seen a Star Wars film up until that point. Really? <laughs> like, n- young uh, Peter H3 going on four was in a two things, NASCAR and uh, Power Rangers. <laughs> I mean, you are three going on four. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't expect you to have seen that many films, I guess, you know, Peter. No. You know, when I was your age, you know, I had already seen A New Hope. But, yeah. you know, I was just more cultured than you, and obviously that's stuck. Oh, exactly. You've obviously seen more films than me. Yes. <laughs> no, you've seen but, more yeah. films, but I've seen more movies. Uh, I almost swore there. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, uh, I don't remember much about watching episode one for the first time in theaters because I just didn't understand what was going on. <laughs> I think I thought it was interesting, but I didn't care that much. It was like me watching the Pokemon movie. I was like, oh, this is cool. It's just not me. <laughs> Oh, I love the Pokemon movie. I still so do. Pre- so pretty much <laughs> Star Wars did not latch on to me. So I think they was introduced like the most awkward, which is pretty much why I support you have to watch four, five, and six, and then one, two, and three. Because starting from the beginning, it's just like, wait, what? Who's this? Why do I care? Why is Liam Neeson boring? <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, I feel like, yeah, summer 2001, my mom got me the... Uh, like that, the uh, Star Wars VHS, the original trilogy that was unedited. So it's like oh, the original nice. original releases. So best birthday gift ever, for sure. Yeah, yeah. still paying those tapes. Those tapes were run to the ground, and <laughs> thank God for the 2006 DVDs that had the uh, bonus DVD with the unedited. But that's another story. So I watched those over that summer, and of course that's where I fell in love with Star Wars because so I pretty much did fall in love with the original trilogy first. While everyone else was getting obsessed with Harry Potter, because I think that came out late 2001. Yeah. So then, of course, saw Attack of the Clones, and actually loved it <laughs> as an eight-year-old. Which is the most eight-year-old thing you can possibly say. <laughs> that episode two is your favorite Star Wars movie. But I think that's what, because it was just so big, and just had all the crazy battle sequences. Uh, that's what which I, I, think, still, I still love that about it. Moving on, I think that's what the prequels have done the best and you can say that yeah 
And and there is the caveat of, you know, well, there's not much to be invested in them because the characters are either uninteresting or just undeveloped at those points. But they're still fun nonetheless. Like, I mean, I don't want to rail I don't want to rail too much on the sequels because that's not the point of the episode. But my the biggest complaint I think everyone's had is that there's just not much going on in those films from a spectacle standpoint. You got the, of course, you know, the throne room sequence in eight, but other than that, just kind of like, uh, well, here's here's uh, an idea. I think I think one thing with that is that it's just the comparable numbers of lightsabers. Mm-hmm. It's more comparable to the original trilogy. The original trilogy doesn't really have that many big, you know, those big set pieces the way the prequels do. And I think just the sheer number of lightsabers available kind of hinders the sequels. They sure, can't, but they think... can't do the episode two arena scene. No, no, no. no. But at least. With Empire, or the originals, what they did was they extended everything. Like, Empire, that Hoff scene would have been like a five-minute sequence in the prequels. That's like the first hour of the movie, (laughs) it feels like. Yeah. (laughs) And it's great. We're here, you know, like Last Jedi, they have the crate scene, which I know it's it's salt, not snow. (laughs) Wow, Ryan Johnson, you're so creative in subverting (laughs) expectations. (laughs) But it's it's just a fight with Adat walkers and broken ships. It's not much to be invested in. But anyway, that's, again, tangent. So, of course, that's two for me. And episode three was, I think, the first one I was ever obsessed with. Like, I watched that. I had the uh, the trailer link, like, like pretty much as the uh, homepage <laughs> on the internet browser on the computer <laughs> just to watch it. <laughs> so, yeah, three I was obsessed with going in. And I love that, too. I think it was in middle school when pretentious Peter was at his peak in filmmaking or viewing film is when I was most adamantly hating the prequels. What, you're not currently at your peak of being pretentious? I think I'm getting better. Wow, you must have been really bad at one point. I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, you know what, Transformers is fine. It exists. People (laughs) like it. Whatever. Bumblebee was good. Where middle school, Peter was like, it's so bad. Uh, so yeah, that's really the prequels for me, and we'll probably get into later, like, when that changed from, like, going to, like, these movies suck to, like, liking them again. But Matt, how do the prequels work for you? Well, so, like, that phase you just said where, like, oh, the prequels suck, I never really went through that. Even though I still have them, like, really low on my rankings, I still think it's a high tide that raises all the boats. Like, Mm. I was never a prequel hater, and I think a big part of that, and I mentioned to it before we called on, was that like a lot of the additional materials really do, like the best ones stem out of the prequels. Like a lot of the best video games, the best parts of those video games are this, the, the, the prequel parts of it. Um, the episode 3 video game for the PS2 is one of my favorite games I've ever played. That's fantastic. Mm. Um, I, don't, I can't remember the name of it, but there was a Game Boy Advance game where you played as Anakin and you did like a couple like missions on Tatooine. And obviously mm. being a Game Boy game, it's not very long. But uh, still, that one came out of episode two. Um, it was that Anakin that was on the cover of it. Um, you know, Star Wars Battlefront 2, the best parts of that, I think, are all prequel parts. I think the prequels, what I always enjoyed about them the most was that, like, you got to see these legions of Jedi. You know, you got to see them at their max, at their power. And it's really, I know at one point uh, when it first kind of came up, I was kind of against the idea of going back and doing, like, the like Old Republic time. And... 
rewatching episode two a couple weeks ago really kind of made me go, you know what? I kind of want to go back to the old Republic and see it just like a, a legion of Jedi and a legion of Sith going at it because just the sheer numbers can get you riled up sometimes and get you excited. And I think that's one thing we touched on that. I think that's one thing the, the sequels are really missing is just a sheer number. Um, one other thing I really enjoyed about the prequels has always been, um, how it feels connected to the original trilogy, but not relying on the original trilogy. You know, Ryan, you mentioned like the, uh, Anakin imagery, right? Where Anakin kind of looks like Darth Vader a little bit, right? Right. Um, I feel like there's subtle references kind of sprinkled in throughout the prequels, but there's no obvious, you know, hey, here's the guy that we saw at the cantina. Remember him in episode four? I feel like the nostalgia thing wasn't a thing yet. And I remember it's not like Rogue One. No, right. Yeah, Rogue One's just a nostalgia fest. So solo. Um, I mean, you know, the other two, seven, eight, have plenty of it in there too. And I remember one of the uh, times where I really came up with this was when we were watching episode one. And I was like, you know what? If these movies were made right now, with as much nostalgia as out there, I guarantee you Han Solo or the Millennium Falcon would have been mentioned. Or, or maybe even seen during the uh, pod racing like part. You know, when they're on Tatooine. You know, oh, well, you know, there's this pilot that, you know, flies a ship, and I'm sure he could get you off this island kind of thing when it came up. Mm-hmm. So I, I always really liked how it was, it felt connected. The, the you know, the Emperor always feels present. And I kind of liked how, too, if you don't know the original trilogy, then that, you kind of get that reveal as it goes. Um, yeah, but for me, for the prequels growing up, though, I mean, I actually don't remember seeing episodes one or two in theaters. I remember seeing episode three in theaters. I think I saw episodes one and two at home for the first time, though. But I, uh, I've i always loved the episode two right out from the moment that Anakin and Padme are carted out into that arena. From that moment on is some of my absolute favorite stuff in all Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, yeah, listen. Yeah, uh, yeah like some of, the, uh, some of the action in these prequels are uh, is pretty good. It is. I would argue that the action standpoints are better than they are in the original trilogy i think yeah i, I yeah i'll get on board with that yeah i think well i think that's obviously the technology right yeah that's a lot they, well, also these those, films did push technology to their absolute I, limit at the time and that's what george was always talking about he pushed technology to its limits find new ways to do things but also like the athleticism of you know specifically the obi-wan anakin fight you know, uh, Peter, the other night I compared it to an indie wrestling match where, yeah, sometimes you do flips just to do flips, but flips are cool. Yeah. You know, like, I just kind of enjoy seeing the flips sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I compared, uh, you know, Vader versus Luke to, like, you know, The Rock versus Hulk Hogan, where not necessarily a great technical match, but you're going no. nuts because of the personalities there. Versus mm-hmm. in this one, you know, the personalities, yeah, Anakin, Obi-Wan, maybe not, you know... They don't feel like the brothers that maybe they should, but it's such an awesome, long, flippy do of a, of a duel that, yeah, just eat it up. Yeah, I think that's the big difference between the original and the prequels is there was definitely a focus on character, but that was probably because the technology was so limited. And, you know, like so with action scenes, Hoff would have been five minutes on episode two if they went there. Episode five, it has to be a set piece, like an hour, a third third of this uh, film for the just to make it work 
But yeah, I, I do like that uh, analogy of it's indie wrestling versus... I would almost go... Like, let's look at the first Ben Kenobi Vader fight in A New Hope. Yeah. That's kind of like Macho Steamboat, in a way. Well, or it's, let's go Hogan Andre. For, yeah, for its time, it's... Oh, that's better, yeah. For its time, it's the most technical... It's as technically good as you can get with how... Yeah. We how we approached it, but now we can do all these things. I don't think it makes you know the flights air fighting for bad, even though it's maybe the weakest in terms of the look of it. But I think in terms of story, it's one of the strongest, if that makes sense. Yeah, because you do feel like like it's funny because you really don't see them interact at all in between four yeah. and three. You know, obviously, yet we'll see that Kenobi happens. Which, by the way, that's another thing that's really more spun off of the prequels than the sequels, or than the original trilogy, rather. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it'll be Ewan McGregor, so that, that's coming more from 3 than it is from 4. But yeah. it's funny, because, like, you, in between 3 and 4, let's assume there's really no interaction between Obi-Wan and, and Vader. But it just feels like there is so much more history there in Episode 4, and, like, there is so much more weight to that battle than there is in 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three is just more. It's oh yeah, like you said, it's the it's a spectacle. It is, it's like AJ Styles versus Kenny Omega on all the cocaine yeah, that it, you can get into Japan. Well, it's it's Kenny Omega and uh, uh, just thought, um, the, the 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 Japanese guy, the the eight star matches. Oh yeah, just um, Okada. That's it. Okay, yeah. it's Chico Okada. Um, but speaking of the spectacle of three, this brings me to a question on nine. Mm-hmm. So, episodes one and two, you know, some may call the majority of those two movies kind of boring. They split the fanhood at the time. There were a lot of people say, oh, these movies suck. And, but like we referenced, everybody kind of likes episode three. And episode yeah. three is a very easy movie to like because there's a lot of big space battles. There's a lot of big lightsaber duels. There's, I mean, literally in episode three, you've got what? You've got the Count Dooku uh, duel. Yeah. You've got Grievous. You've got Anakin Obi-Wan, you've got Yoda, Palpatine. Right. And you've got Mace. You've got Mace Windu. Mm-hmm. So that's five lightsaber duels in episode three. Um, will episode nine take a page out of the episode three playbook here and just give us a good fun, you know, kind of fast forward through all the stuff we didn't really care for, you know, I, I mean, Jar Jar doesn't say a word. Newt Gunray, I think, says like two words in the entire uh, episode three. <laughs> Like, all the things we didn't like in the prequels just kind of go away. Um, well, first off, I'll say, shout out to Representative Banks for giving Palpatine, you know, all the power in the world. So. <laughs> Idiot. Yeah, exactly. He's a dumb <laughs> All the people who are like, he's a secret Sith Lord. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. <laughs> Those are the same people who probably want uh, Ant-Man to go up Thanos' butt. <laughs> like stick stick to Transformers kids <laughs> but uh, you know what listen what we've seen in the trailers is of course we're gonna get the Kylo Ray battle so that's one. oh goody <laughs> and th- and then like I guess uh, there has to be a fight with Palpatine so that's two you would imagine so yeah and then of um, course there's a big space battle with all the galactic starships and all the resistance there could be some kind of a dark ray versus ray battle so that'd be three plus the desert planet thing where they're being chased yep so tell me like is there a chance that nine just kind of goes with with the the idea of three more than six 
I could see it, especially at this point. It's almost like the... I think the people who liked 8 will kind of accept whatever you do. And you it's, it's kind of like a... Uh, it's like a Batman-Superman-Justice League situation where Justice League tried to please everybody, but there were people who actually did like Batman-Superman. They're dumb, and I think their opinion <laughs> hey, should matter. I like most but, of that movie. But there were people who liked it, and now you're throwing away what they like, the, the, the overwhelming darkness for awkward humor. So it's a, it's a tight rope to walk for them. But I think with how Disney's approached these films, just not giving a about the consumer <laughs> i think it's just gonna be more of the same that's just me though being the cynic um one other thing uh i kind of m- mentioned it briefly i want to get you guys kind of thoughts on this is so like i said we were, we were watching this uh the prequel trilogy with a couple of friends one of which she had not seen anything star wars i think i think she said she had seen episode seven but it was very mm-hmm. kind of lost confused and that really has no bearing on episode one at all yeah and so I'm kind of, when I'm watching these, I'm kind of trying to, like, in mentally watch through someone who's never, who's completely unaware of his eyes, right? And kind of yeah. be like, what's she thinking right now? And yeah. i tell you what, if you watch episode one, 90% of that movie, you think the main character of this entire saga is going to be Qui-Gon Jinn. Darth Maul is going to be the big bad of it all. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Nuke Gunray seems important here. Like, whatever this trade conspiracy is that feels important right and jar jar is obviously a large presence two mm-hmm. movies later none of those things are happening anymore nope no I, two of them are dead at the end of that one <laughs> right yeah by the end of that movie two of them are dead great point point. and from a fan standpoint one of them is basically good as dead <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess that, that's a good point i will agree on three of those uh three of the four I would argue, though, that there is no way to tell who the main hero is supposed to be in that film. Like, no one does anything obvious. I think Qui-Gon is your main hero for most of that movie. Yeah. You know, I watched it, like, what, a month ago again? And I just, every time I do, I'm just like, what is he here for? (laughs) Like, he might as well be meditating on the ship. (laughs) Well, it it would be fair. He's taking after Yoda. He's meditating all the time. No, okay. That's right, because he's the one who walked into ta- in, uh, to Tatooine to uh, yeah. get the part. Which should have been Obi-Wan's role. Why? If you think about it. He, but Obi-Wan's, because, the, Obi-Wan's the, uh, the apprentice. Yeah, but you could, from a story standpoint, to connect to episode four, it makes more sense that Obi-Wan would be our main character throughout the entire trilogy. And we kind of have the Anakin stuff in the, on the uh, back burner. Because it doesn't make sense to have, you know, this... I, what is even what even is this character? Who? Qui-Gon's. I mean, you can... Um, you can mentor? Actually, the, that's the big thing about the prequels. You can say that about any character. What's their character? <laughs> uh, one of my favorite uh, reviews about the prequels was the uh, Red Letter Media ones. And they basically played a game where it's... Uh, they asked people to describe a character about saying uh their job or what they look like and you when you get like han so they say oh rogue you know kind of a scoundrel heart of gold all that yeah and then they then they ask him qui-gon they're like stoic and uh (laughs) like almost every prequel character was stoic to these people (laughs) and nothing else (laughs) which is kind of true 
Yeah, but you know what though? I, I gotta tell you, rewatching it again and again and again, you kind of get the feeling more and more of you know the Jedi were arrogant and unattached, mm-hmm. and so stoic would be a way of expressing that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good way to look at. It. Listen, the Jedi Order in these movies are about as incompetent as Butch Jones, Mike Tomlin, and the entire Pittsburgh Pirates organization. That's pushing a little harsh here, but... I got, I got kicked in the nuts twice there. You did. <laughs> and I came away scot-free. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. It looks as incompetent as your one playoff win, Mike Trout led Angels, Matt. There we go. Go to... <laughs> it's about as incompetent as the Ravens front office after the Ray Lewis situation. <laughs> How do we handle this, guys? There we go. I like that better. I would say it was handled well. They won a Super Bowl a year later. <laughs> yeah, but uh, let's be real. Ray Lewis was not the guy that said he was going to Disneyland. <laughs> eh, you know. Anyway, no, that, that was a... back to what we were talking about. No, that's Hayden Christensen's role right there, going oh. to Disneyland. Hey, you know what? Here's one other one. Everybody craps on Hayden Christensen. But I'll be if you can find an actor that can deliver those lines well. No, and that was one of my big points I wanted to make about this whole trilogy was uh, George Lucas had all the control. No one questioned him. He was the director, he was the writer, and he was also the EP, meaning he was the one pouring the money in. So pretty much, (laughs) it was kind of like no one could question him. And uh, And it shows. Oh, well, yeah, what was the producer? Uh, Rick McCollum. Yeah, he, he was just there to basically... Be the guy to order or the, or the parts. Yeah, be like, hey, Hayden, be in the set at this time. Mm-hmm. Natalie Portman will be there. Try to act like you like her. Yeah. <laughs> it's very obvious because uh, George Lucas, of course, he uh, wrote and directed A New Hope. But he did not have any involvement other than writing the story for 5 and 6. He didn't even write the script for uh, those ones. So it's kind of... It, it's. Because one of the critiques of George Lucas from his peers was always like he's kind of a control freak, which is fair. Yeah. You know, it's your it's your project. But a film or just anything in general, like a show, a uh, just like again yeah, anything media wise, it's best when it's a team effort. Yes. Because like sure, Kevin Feige oversees the entire MCU, but he's he's not writing everything. He doesn't direct anything. He, no, he's just there to be like, okay, I need you to do this and this, but other than that, it's your call. Yes. Which is kind of like, you know, we see it in Captain Marvel where it's like, I need you to introduce a character and here's some things you can figure out, but that's not a big deal. Which is kind of how we got, you know, Samuel Jackson's eye being taken away was from a cat. Right. Like, that's that's definitely not a Kevin Feige call. But <laughs> no. That was a who, whoever was writing directing call. So, Peter, real quick, can I make the counter-argument here on the George Lucas thing? Oh, of course. So, you're, you know, you're saying, yeah, he, he is a control freak, he's controlling everything, right? Mm-hmm. I would argue, though, that the prequels do have one thing going for them well that comes directly out of the one-man vision kind of thing, mm-hmm. and that is that there is a definite storyline, and it definitely connects to episode four versus what we've yeah. got going on right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you can know, argue this is, not this the... Is the opposite end. Yeah, I think a lot of fans have argued that this wasn't the way they envisioned how they would got would get to episode four, but at least it works. Yes. It's a bit rough. 
It's like sand. It gets everywhere. (laughs) But... I hate sand. At least least I can watch these three films and be like, yeah, I can accept that. Yeah, and and in every movie there are parts where I go, okay, that, that ties in and connects to episode four. And uh, but, but I, the the example that we came up with last night that was just like the the microscopic, just one hundred percent absolute example of George Lucas not knowing how to write for how people actually speak. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Anakin versus Obi Wan, and uh, you know the whole like your new empire, right? Like that that part, <laughs> the whole like monologue ahead of time. Anakin says, you know, it's a really just a classic line here. It's if you're not with me, then you are my enemy. <laughs> it's right there, man. It's an open goal. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Like, you Jedi have been using absolutes the whole story. Get out well, of here. Okay, but that's a whole hypocrisy of the Jedi thing, which I can I can yeah. get behind that. But, like, yeah. just the phrasing here of, you know, if you aren't with me, you are against me. It's right there. It is a saying as old as George Lucas himself. <laughs> and you're freaking botched it, man. Come on. Uh, that one I guess that one drives me crazy. Yeah, I guess getting back on track to the original question about Hayden Christensen, yeah, no one could have delivered these lines. No. no. <laughs> you you could have had Oh uh well, wasn't, wasn't Leonardo DiCaprio at one point in time being considered? Oh yeah, Leonardo Cap even he couldn't deliver these yeah. garbage lines. <laughs> But uh, like I told you at the beginning, uh, George Lucas did actually not want to do these films. He called up his boys, uh, Spielberg, Howard, and Zemeckis, and said, can you do this for me? And, he's, and they were like, no, man, this is your baby. You got to do it. Because it's kind of odd. George, this uh, episode one, I guess we can really finally 34 minutes in start on dissecting each film. Well, I mean, we kind of went some, the, like, overview. Yeah. Let's get to the big parts, the big questions. Episode one, that was his first film directing since uh return of the jedi really of course he wrote and you know produced the indiana jones stuff but he he walked away from actually no wait that was he didn't he i'm sorry i said earlier he didn't direct uh six or five at all i think that may have been his first film since star wars i'll look it up real quick so, so but, yeah for, for, so my so probably wasn't his probably my film he directed was new hope yeah, that was his first film directing since 1977 in 1999. Wow. Wow. Woo! Good for him. <laughs> and I think it shows, because Lucas became a businessman. That was kind of his goal. So it's, it's kind of hard, you know... Because here's the thing, George Lucas was never really a good director, per se. Uh, that's with three films to look at. THX 1138... American Graffiti and Star Wars. Matt, I think you saw at least one of those. Uh, I've seen one of those, yeah. I'll let yeah. you guess which one. Uh, <laughs> THX 1138. You know what? I believe I played many games that uh, were made by THX, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, THQ. Like, it, it sounds like yep. a droid name, to be honest. Yeah. THX 778. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, he, he was... He's an interesting filmmaker. I'll say that from what I've seen from him. But again, even if you were the like the best, like say you were Spielberg, and you walked away at your peak, and then twenty two years later you come back, yeah. you're probably not going to be good out of the gate because the world in twenty years the world's changed. Well, right. Well, think about the technology differences. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just how stories were being developed. I mean, it went from... 77 was the kind of subtle beginning of the blockbuster era. And by 99, I mean, everything was a blockbuster film. Yeah. So I think for George there, it's kind of interesting to look at. I feel like maybe even he just knew he couldn't do it, but no one wanted to question him or tell him, or or question him, I should say. So I feel like he just felt like he had to do it. And the result kind of shows. I'm kind of wondering what, how these films would have turned out. And maybe George didn't even, that was his original intention. Let someone else do it. This is a new generation of film. Because it was heavily marketed, I guess, towards original fans, but also the new generation, which was, I guess, us. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, th- that was always an interesting thing, especially if we watched them. It's like, did he really even want to do these? I couldn't help, especially with, uh, I feel like with episode three, going back to the whole, like, how it was kind of just like, forget everything. Just give them what they want. Big Star Wars spectacle. I think that's where I agree with you. I, I think episodes, yeah. I think episode one, especially when like, he kind of like brings up the, uh, the Metachlorians. Mm-hmm. I think oh that's up that George really wanted to start to explore. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think about episode three, it was kind of just like, all right, fine. You want big lightsaber. You, you want Transformers in a Star Wars movie. Here you go. Here's five lightsaber duels. Here's an awesome space sequence at the because that's also that space sequence at the start is awesome. Yeah. You know, he, here's all that stuff. Fine. Forget all my subtle. You know what he's calling subtleties. You know, for, forget about all that stuff. Yeah. So I think I think his heart really wasn't at the start. Okay, and I will say in defense of him, I feel like no matter what he did, it's kind of like what we got with the sequels. I don't think everyone's going to be happy with it. No, because I think no matter what you do, people's yeah. minds have a better idea. Because one of my favorite, because uh, of course the big thing now is, you know, like, how would, you, how here's how I would have done the Star Wars prequels from a story standpoint. And people give great ideas. Uh, again, that's a lot, that's the art of hindsight, you know. Right, you've seen an oh, idea, now just yeah. get, improve it. I, I've watched these films a hundred times. Here's how they should have done. Because honestly. And I feel like all these ideas, and uh, my favorites are from a, com- a YouTube channel called Bladed Media. They did a, what if episode one, two, and three were good. Mm-hmm. And I think he, he had some great ideas, but I was all, especially with his uh, idea for episode two, I was like, people would have probably thought that was the worst Star Wars film ever. Yeah. Because it wasn't really, because his idea wasn't really an action fest. It was more of like, you know, the space opera on crack. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting thing to look at where you kind of have a filmmaker who I think wanted to do it, but maybe not in that way. And that's just, you know, the expectations of waiting for 16 years for more Star Wars. And the opening crawl is, taxation routes are being an issue in the Republic. It's like, oh, <laughs> sh- uh, <laughs> That's what, what these movies this? are all about, guys. Taxes. Yeah, that was weird. That is weird. Because <laughs> the original trilogy was a World War II S-story. The, the stories and serials he grew up with as a child. Right. And obviously you can't really do that in 1999 because the generation has changed. But it kind of leaves you with the idea, like, what do you do for these films? What is the big storyline? Because you could, the Cold War could make sense. But again, it ended in the early 90s. So now it's kind of not really too relevant, even though it is recent history. So, like, it it was an interesting thing from his script writing. Just like, yeah, that's where I'm going to go. Taxation. 
Uh, one thing, Peter, with the whole everybody always has a better idea than yours. Mm-hmm. Um, George Lucas has one idea that was better than anything that anybody could just come up with out of the air, and that man's name was Darth Maul. Yeah, the most, uh, maybe the coolest looking character in Star Wars, and it was one and done. Yeah. yeah. Darth, Darth Maul was freaking awesome, and it's a shame that he got killed off in one movie. Yeah. I wouldn't and, have minded. And by the way, he died. <laughs> yeah. Sorry that's where, about well, that's that. where It was important for episode three, because that's where Obi-Wan learned the art of the high ground. <laughs> okay, Aww. so here's the thing, Peter. <laughs> yes, that's so stupid. And I tell you what, it didn't really make me angry until his most recent watching. But the fact that Tiebreaker in this awesome 45-minute lightsaber duel is a hill. <laughs> I tell you what, I really think that that's stupid. And it, it grinds my gears that that's how that lightsaber duel is. That is that is the epitome of, like, you're so into your riding. And I've had this happen to me before. Like, <laughs> that stuff. It's like, oh, how do I end this? Yeah. And you're looking through the whole thing, trying to find a way out. And you're just like, oh, no. Uh, like, he jumps on a hill. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's I, over, Anakin. I have the high what, ground. You know, we were talking about how cool the backflips look. I thought, I wonder how Anakin feels about that backflip, though. <laughs> probably not great. <laughs> probably not. But like that—that that is listen, one listen, thing that really Anakin. bothers me. I could see. I could just see the Emperor in the hospital as he's like rebuilding Darth Vader. He's like, "Listen, man, hear me out." You didn't have to jump into him. You could have jumped to like the side. Yeah, jump next to him. Any of the sides. Yeah. Or even better, just <laughs> or maybe like jump or away. Force push him out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Like jump <laughs> way off to the side and like climb up the hill. <laughs> and also, so speaking of the Emperor here, could you imagine being Palpatine in this moment where you have spent how much time? We know for sure, at least since episode one, which is a decade. Uh, about what, probably thirteen years at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So you spent let's say, let's call it twenty years now, infiltrating the Senate, taking complete control, orchestrating this whole droid versus clone uh war, and then finally you get the chosen one. You get this kid on your side to be your apprentice. You you know you you pull the trigger on everything. You get the the empire all loaded up, and on his first day on the job, your kid gets chopped up into three quarters. <laughs> are you kidding me this is the chosen one this he is my guy like, oh. he was probably like oh i gotta find another new apprentice well and now you already killed all the ones that would have been any logical candidates <laughs> exactly <laughs> well it was maul wasn't a jedi first like uh dooku i don't know where maul comes from i don't want to find out don't take I that idea have- disney where did the Grievous come from? <laughs> That's another one. So whenever, uh, um, so like I said, what, we were watching. One of my it. favorite things. Oh, sorry. No, we were watching it with someone who had seen them all for the first time. So before we started episode three, we warned her. We're like, okay. So at the start of this movie, there's gonna be this droid with bronchitis. <laughs> <laughs> he comes from the cartoons. He comes from a book. You just kind of gotta roll with it. He's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. The, the cartoon he came from was uh, Between 2 and 3, Star Wars Clone Wars. It was like this 2D animated show, and it was just absolute bad <laughs> It was the best thing to come out of the prequels. And it's, un- it's unfortunately not, not canon. Uh, it, is it? I think it still is. Star Wars The Clone Wars, with an S, is canon. But that was like the spinoff a couple years later. 
this was the 2D animated show that kind of set up episode three. And oh. it was just so ridiculous. It was so ridiculous. Like, you should watch it. You'd love it. Which I think, if I'm wrong, I'm not One of the greatest scenes in Star Wars Clone Wars is there's droids and clones. They're all on speed bikes. <laughs> they're all lined up side by side. And they're rushing into each other, like, to jousting each other. And it's the most violent, stupid thing <laughs> ever done. It's great. If Episode Nine does that, I will love it. And listen, I think if I'm right, I think they're bringing Clone Wars back. I, yeah, the, the the CGI show, not the 2D show. The 2D show is basically left forgotten. Oh, okay. Even though it was so cool. So yeah, I guess with uh, let's get into some of the meaty questions of the prequels, or I guess the retrospect. How do you all view Jar Jar now? <laughs> Still not good. No. Well, listen. Hey, I, he he became a representative. I mean, that's something. The best thing George Lucas did with Jar Jar was in Episode Two at the beginning when they're in a meeting. Which, of course, I know in the prequels, like, wait, what meeting, Peter? There's hundreds of meetings <laughs> where they're just sitting down talking to each other. They get up, and Jar Jar walks behind them. He looks at the camera, and gives a smile. <laughs> Basically, George Lucas just be like, hey. Follow you. <laughs> I was like, I forgot that happened, and I loved it. I'm not sure I've ever noticed that. It's it's literally at the beginning. I'm not There's sure walking. I've ever noticed it. Like he literally just he's walking, you know, staring, you know, uh, off screen. Then he just turns his head, he's like, huh? Hey guys, <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> I was like, that is. Wow, that is brilliant. So that is me directing a film. Yep. I thought Jar Jar was kind of fun when I was a child, and then it was he annoys me. I don't like this guy, and now it's all just like white noise. Like episode mm. one, like whatever. Jar Jar's a thing that happens. You sit through it. It's like the the, the Anakin Padme love scenes in episode two. You sit through it. It is what it is. It no longer, like, harms the movie for me. But it's just not very good. Yeah. It, it, it's it's tough. Uh, let's move on to the Padme and Anakin love story. Uh, <laughs> Has oof. it aged well? <laughs> no. Once again, another example of George not knowing how to write humans. <laughs> I, I stand by the fact that it's just so stupid and bad. It's almost hilariously good. Now, listen, those the droids have more personality than those two did have did oh. have as couple. <laughs> I do think, and I'm going to try here. I'm going to try to defend these. I think from time to time, there is some very subtle wording that I really, really like that you, you don't necessarily catch on the first time. Or the second time, or even the third time, because you have to actually listen to these crappy scenes. <laughs> and it takes you about 18 times watching these to actually get yourself to pay attention during them. But the one that the, the one that hit me last night, that I thought was actually pretty good, uh, it's the, the, again, just awful scene where uh, she's brushing her hair in episode three, out on the balcony. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> Anakin says something like, oh, you're so beautiful. But he says like that creepy, you know, he's got such great, Hank Christensen has great creeper eyes. 
You know, <laughs> he really does. And so he's got like his creepy eyes going, and she has like this nervous like <laughs> laugh. And it's like, so love has blind. It's yeah. Like, well, that's... he says something else, and then it's like, so love has blinded. He's like, that's not what I meant. No, but that's perfect though. I actually really like that line. So love has blinded you because everything he does is for her. Oh yeah. And yeah. he goes and kills younglings, and he does all this other crap because love has blinded him. And yeah. it finally took me until this most re- – think about how many times I've watched this stupid movie. And yeah. it took me until this viewing last night to go, oh, yeah. Huh. That's pretty good, actually, George. Yeah, there we go. But again, Way to go. With, Hayden, with Hayden Christensen's eyes – you want to talk about creeper eyes? Let's oh, go to are. the end of the movie where his eyes are yellow. Oh, <laughs> well, that's not creepy. That's just evil. <laughs> I think my favorite part of that love story I actually have two one's not really connected to the love story per se but like it, it's you know part of the story so the first one that's in the story the love story itself was uh, when they're on Naboo and Padme's like talking to somebody about like politics oh I don't even know this I love this and Anakin's just like now hold on just a minute here <laughs> yeah. and she's like uh, excuse me Anakin he's like no <laughs> so they just start arguing for no reason whatsoever well, and then she shuts him down and she goes oh Anakin he's still learning he's not Jedi Master yet oh my god <laughs> and then later that night he's begging for sex it's like what in the world is this but also uh, so when they're on Tatooine <laughs> Uh, when they meet Owen and Baru, that is the most awkward introduction to... Yeah. So, so Owen was Anakin's mom's brother? Was that it? No. No, no, no. That That's her husband. Okay. He bought her and then, like, freed her and married her. Okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah. He, like, he acquired the rights to her, but he didn't, like, enslave yeah. her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, but it's like, episode two is so weird. I don't know what hap- it happens to most of it. I just, I just know I. Yeah, I like Republic gunships. I'm a simple man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see Republic gunship. I like it. Speaking but... of episode two, by the way, Peter and and, okay. and them on Tatooine. This is one other thing that uh, we were kind of talking about with this most recent viewing. There are several times in this prequel trilogy where it's like the cool thing is there, and all you have it, it's like. If you take a clip when you're video editing, right, and mm-hmm. you just, like, cut it off before you're supposed to, and so it has this, like, abrupt ending, and you go, oh, there's some cool stuff, I just accidentally cut it. Mm-hmm. It's like, so, yeah, when he's on Tatooine, and, and Anakin goes and, like, ch- saws down the sand people, mm-hmm. all <laughs> we see is him hit two of the lightsaber, and then he slashes up the camera. That's it. <laughs> Like, we sat through episode two, man. Give me some sand people getting wrecked. <laughs> like, there's, there's a handful of these scenes where it's like, if this just goes on for a couple more minutes, this could have been some good stuff here. Well, let's not oh, forget, yeah. he killed the men and the women and the children. <laughs> and then he brings his dead mom back to the homestead. <laughs> that, that's my biggest thing, like... If you were Owen and Baru, and that was your one interaction with Anakin Skywalker, he came to your house crying for his mom, gets angry at Padme and runs off, brings back a dead body, gets angry again, then leaves. When Obi-Wan comes back a couple years later with his child, why would you say yes to that? (laughs) Because you're going to need help on the farm. 
Because script. <laughs> Basically. Uh, speaking, of con- speaking of Confusion Episode 2, who created the clone army? Like, I had to rewind that scene when Master it happened. Master Sifo-Dyas? Yes. Which, for the longest time, but they, but, I thought but Mace, was quiet. But Mace Windu was like... Mace Windu was like, Obi-Wan, that guy was not in our order. Right. So what I think... what well, Here's kind of what Detective Mateo has come up with here. Okay. So, again, this is trying to interpret episode two. So, roll with me on this one. Master Sifo-Dyas was a Jedi Master. He was killed about ten years ago, right? That's yeah. that's also what they say in there. Well, Obi-Wan what? made that up as a lie to get information. Oh, I think that's true. Because I thought they said that it was from Master Sifo-Dyas, and then Obi-Wan says that he died ten years ago. Yeah, that, that that was what that was what, what weirded me out because he says that so immediate, like it almost feels like it's true. But then when he talks to Yoda and Mace Windu later in the film about like, yo, they said this guy was here. Uh, who is he? And Mace Windu's like, Master, what's his name? <laughs> I thought they said that he. I thought they also agreed that he hadn't been around for a long time. Yeah, the, the Kaminoans agreed that he existed. I, I, I thought Yoda and Windu did too. No, they they were straight up like, Obi-Wan, uh, we can guarantee you that man has never been in this order. Oh, well, then that kind of... That, 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 yeah, that... That's, that's why I was horrifically confused rewatching this. <laughs> like, even more so, because I was like, wait, is Boba just a version of the clones that Jango won as a son? Wasn't that like the thing well, so, they were going for? So Boba was unaltered. Okay. Okay, gotcha. So, like, the other ones are all altered to be more obedient. Boba's unaltered. But the Sifo-Dyas that, thing, so here's why I always that, interpret it as. That I, origin for Boba kind of sucks. Oh, I'm not against it. I think it's fine. He, he's he's the kid of Django, like, whatever. In fairness, he, in fairness, he was a character who said basically nothing in the original trilogy. Yeah, not, not cool, so. everyone gets yeah. to have a big elaborate backstory like Han Solo. <laughs> You know, not everybody gets them that all. But okay, so Peter, here's how I've always understood the, the Sifo-Dyas thing. Okay. I, and I could be way off base here, but I've always took it as Sifo-Dyas was a Jedi Master who died about ten years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So Palpatine then just simply said that he was Master Sifo-Dyas. Okay. And impersonated the guy in order to get these clones built under the guise of the Jedi Council for the Republic's use. Which is, you know, they they are controlled by the Republic. You know, they are they are uh, obedient to Palpatine, obviously. Um, so that's the way I've always kind of took it was that he portrayed Sifo-Dyas, um, in order to get them made. Yeah. Th- okay. Yeah. Listen, it, uh, it, that a lot of that stuff is cloudy, but like if that's the if that's it, uh, yeah. I, I, okay. I could see it. Uh, Matt, I just brought the script for her. I just brought the episode two script. So, hold on. Sifo-Dyas. Okay. So, uh, the Kaminoan's like, please tell your master, Sifo-Dyas, that we have every confidence his order will be met on time in full. He is well, I hope. Obi-Wan, I'm sorry, Master... Jedi Master Sifo-Dyas, he was the leading member of the Jedi Council, is he not? And then Obi-Wan does say, Master Sifo-Dyas was killed ten years ago. But then later, uh, Obi-Wan 
is talking to Mace Windu. He's like, I've never heard of a Jedi called Sifo Dyas. Have you, Master? Mace Windu replies, no, whoever placed that order was not a Jedi, I can assure you. Okay, so maybe Sifo Dyas was just an alias that he made or up d- then? That's why I, I always thought it was Dooku under an alias. Okay, Dooku could work too. Because it sounds like he left, not recently, but a while ago yeah, from the order. I would say it's been a while. Yeah. Like I said, there's probably a book somewhere that explains the conspiracy, but you know how I am with the books. I, agree. I want, If the film can't explain it, I don't give a rat's ass. Right. You can, you can tell me afterwards that, hey, this is the explanation. Like, okay, that makes sense. And then I'll pause and be like, why wasn't that in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I will say, uh, I did like how they portrayed the Clone Wars. Yeah, it, it it worked. Yeah. Okay. So here's one thing I thought for, of. for a throw for a throwaway line episode four that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, but so you know the, these Star Wars movies are obviously and you know they are set in trilogies, right? Mm-hmm. It is kind of a hard and fast three movie thing, right? And I think basically every movie saga up until you know at this point have been trilogies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marvel's kind of changed that, and in a post-Marvel world, I really feel like there could have, there needed to be an actual movie that happened during the war. Yeah, because we kind of we get the start of it here, and then we get the end of it in episode three. But I really feel like a good, you know, episode two and a half. Where you get, you know, some missions of Anakin and Obi-Wan going on. You get that feeling of them being brothers. You see them doing missions together. Mm-hmm. I really feel like that would have helped things out a lot. Like, having a full, yeah. having one more extra movie in there. Because really, like, especially episode one, Anakin is so young. And there's zero connection between him and Obi-Wan episode one. Mm-hmm. So then by the time, you know, then episode two, you get the whole apprentice-master feel. But, you you know, they're split apart for so much of the movie. Because Obi-Wan's going on on Geonosis, he's going on Camino, Anakin's going to, you know, on dates with, with uh, Natalie Portman, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's great and fun. And then by the time episode three comes around, well, now we've got the, you know, uh, again, nice little opening sequence of them together. But by, you know, a third of the way through the movie, they're split up again, and then all of a sudden it becomes, you know, you were my brother, Anakin, I loved you, I hate you, you know? <laughs> I, I feel like yeah, one the- more movie, especially, I, I, comp- I compared it to me, me and one of my friends that we were watching it with, I compared it to the feeling of Captain America and Iron Man fighting each other. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in Civil War, there is this feeling of these two, they, they went through some stuff together, you know, Cap and Tony did. I don't have that feeling with Anakin and Obi-Wan. Yeah. And I think one more movie would have done a lot of good. That elevator scene in episode two, it's, it was... Oh, I love pretty that. Much the, the epitome... Oh, it's, it's good and all, but it's like it's the epitome of the biggest mistake of the trilogy was like, these two are never friends. No, they really aren't. Because epi- episode four, you got old Ben saying he was uh, the best star pilot in the galaxy, a cunning warrior, and a good friend. We didn't... Re- I mean, we see some good action from him but he's kind of inept for a lot of it until episode three star pilot we get like yeah the opening of revenge of the sith which is great and all but from a friendship standpoint i feel like the most important part they're kind of always at each other's throats (laughs) yeah i think there's always unnecessary conflict between the two 
where there really yeah. didn't need to be, like, at all in episode two, really. And maybe yeah. you could have a few, like, Anakin being cocky, yo, know, seeds of dissent. Like, that would be maybe the way of going about it, but... Yeah. They're just... His turn to the dark side's weird, from how it seemed old Ben told the story. Like, it wasn't really seduction, it was more like the kid's a bad apple... Well, maybe... I would say maybe the best way to look at it is he was a slave and he wanted to do something greater than himself. And when he got the chance to do it, he couldn't help his mom. So I guess the way he wanted to maybe make her proud was to become a master. And that's what Mace Windu was like, you're on the council, son, but uh, you ain't a master. <laughs> Which is more uh, inflection than Mace Windu gave in the entire prequel trilogy right there. <laughs> That was a bit, why was Samuel Jackson being a reserve Jedi? You know, Samuel Jackson should be the suicide squad for the Jedi Order. He should be like that <laughs> rough and tough guy who screams and yells at people, but he gets stuff done. So that's why you tolerate for it. For the longest time, I argued that uh, Mace Windu was by far the most overrated Jedi out of all of them. Oh my god. He does nothing. He, t- he just sits there. So he has much. a purple lightsaber for no reason. Because he's Samuel L. Jackson. Oh yeah. I mean, Sam... Listen, if Samuel Jackson told me, I'm on a purple lightsaber, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm not arguing <laughs> with you. But I, I, I just like to see Samuel Jackson yell once. <laughs> and even when he does, like, the oppression of the Sith will never take us over again or something like that. The oppression of the Sith still, will never return. Yeah, it's still reserved. <laughs> it's yeah. like George. Like, where's the <laughs> at here, Mace? <laughs> <laughs> or the, the Star Wars version of uh What would that be? Maybe, maybe is it Scruffy Nerf Herder? <laughs> you scruffy Anakin, nerf you help herder. this. Anakin, if you help this Scruffy Nerf Herder, I will beat your Bofon behind. There we go. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> when Disney eventually pays us to remake these movies, we'll we'll put that in the script. Okay, good. <laughs> we'll have a yeah. Man. And we'll also have a very big scene for the killing of younglings that happened. <laughs> I think I think I just always over just overlooked it. Like, oh, okay, I guess that's how you get rid of the younglings in the Jedi Order. But rewatching it, <laughs> well, and not to mention too, that's dark. Like the clones are going around and killing Jedi anyway. Yeah, these are just the younglings. Like the clones can take care of those. Anakin, you should exactly. probably worry about the more like powerful ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a sa- it's just a sassy teenage like this this little kid who's terrified is like Master Skywalker. Like they even call him Master Skywalker yeah, yeah. when Mace Windu was like, You're not master. <laughs> it's like, geez, Anakin, these kids look up to you. <laughs> they think you're a master. Yo, broom kids over here. What are we gonna do? They're <laughs> on your side, he's just like, Master Skywalker, whatever should we do? And he's just like mm. it's like <laughs> how did he get? Away? How did George Lucas get away with that? <laughs> how did nobody at 20th Century Fox be like, uh, George, good film, but what were you thinking there? <laughs> so I just had to get rid. I just had to get rid of them. <laughs> they, uh, they, they, they would have been a plot hole. Yeah, we just we <laughs> because there, you know, there, there's there's no Jedi in Episode Four, so we had to kill the kids. <laughs> just. Just mad. and then later, when Obi Wan's telling Padme like he killed younglings, like he there was no inflection. It's like that should be a scene. It's like 
like uh, how most Americans reacted when the when JFK got shot. Like, oh my, they killed the president. Oh my, it's freaking crazy. There he's acting like, oh, I was at the restaurant and the waitress spilled uh, my drink on me. <laughs> it's kind of annoying. It's like, jeez, man. <laughs> he, uh, he killed young ones. Yeah. <laughs> he did what must be done. <laughs> and henceforth he shall be known as Darth Vader. Is that where they took the cue for the Han Solo name? It was just like awkward pause and for no real reason. It's like, uh, let me let me go through the Sith archives here, kid. Um, nope, can't do that. Mm, Maul, God rest his soul. Ah, here we go, Vader. <laughs> Hasn't been used in years. <laughs> it's your son. It's like a retired jersey that nobody wears for years. Like, oh yeah, you can go ahead and wear it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just killed kids. <laughs> About to say whenever, whenever, when George was like these movies are for kids, I was like, George, you cannot say that when you have space <laughs> politics and uh, infant side. <laughs> you can't do that, man. You can't use that excuse. Well, the original trilogy was for kids. I think these movies are. I, I guess the better term is they're for families. Yeah, yeah. there's something in there for but everyone, right? Yeah, that just seems like, who is that for? No, I think if I remember hearing right that Revenge of the Sith was the first PG-13 Star Wars movie. Oh yeah, hmm. that's correct. Yeah. I did not realize it was. Yeah, I didn't you either. Know, until I, I, guess I, the, I guess the younglings make sense then. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was also the time when PG-13 was kind of becoming the new PG. Yeah. Like, almost, it's kind of like a, how every video game now is either E or M. There's no really E, E10 or Teen anymore. There's, really? There's no more T's for Teen? I, I wow. mean, other than The Sims, that's the only one I can think of. Yeah, because that, that used to be like almost every video game was like Teen. Exactly. Wow. And now like almost every movie is R or PG-13. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, that... Is there any other big things we have to cover? Well, I was going to... So, we kind of crapped on them a lot. But we say that they're better than people remember. Yes. Let's go through some highlights here. Oh, yeah. So, episode one, you've got, obviously, the pod race. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. You've got Duel of the Fates at the end. You know, Qui-Gon and Obi versus Maul. That's great. Um, I will say, I do like the ending of one. Even though it's hard to care about a lot of the characters... I do kind of like the idea of four separate things going on at once. It's a tad yes. messy at times, but it's not hard to follow. I like everything that Palpatine is involved in. Oh, the entire episode previous. three! Episode three, Palpatine is the greatest thing ever. He's so yeah. evil, and he loves it. It's 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 kind of hard to not like. I, I love cartoony Palpatine. Like oh, henceforth, Palpatine is just my favorite. When Yoda force pushes him over the chair, he's like, "Ah, my, my little <laughs> that, green friend." That is, <laughs> love it. Palpatine is so cartoonishly evil; it, it's perfect. Yes, I, I love all. I love cartoony Palpatine. I love subtle Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Um, I love everything Obi Wan Kenobi does in Episode Two. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think him. You know, Detective Obi Wan. You know what? If we compare Detective Pikachu and Detective Obi-Wan in this Kenobi series, let's do it. Hey, there we go. <laughs> I think that's a great one. Um, There's a crossover. 
Like I said, I think the arena scene, from the moment Anakin and Padme are carted out there, as soon as that one last awkward kiss gets over with, everything from that moment on is in my top three favorite sequences of Star Wars. Also, shout out to... Yeah, go ahead, Peter. The uh, the Geonosis scene, when they're just fighting the monsters without their lightsabers, that's great. Yes. Yes. Because it shows these people are competent. They're not just overlying on the lightsaber. They can actually are smart enough to survive. Go on, Ryan. Uh, yeah, but also, let's not forget, shout out to R2-D2 for pushing C-3PO over the edge. <laughs> well, everything R2 does. R2's a superstar. You know what? I, there's this thing, like, it, is R2 the narrator of Star Wars? Because, listen, everything R2 does, he saves everybody. Well, but neither, like... <laughs> neither of you guys will uh, fully appreciate this reference, but he is the Tyrion Lannister of Star Wars. No, no, I get that. I get and, that. And, and if he could drink, he would. <laughs> but hey, listen. That's, P- that's Peter Dinklage's character, right? Yes. yes. Okay, I kind of got you. Yeah, but shout out to him for do- for doing that, and plus we got droid C-3PO. Yeah. And you know what? Die, Jedi ducks! Oh, like did I say that? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Die, I Jedi wish that ducks. I, I wish we could have had C. That could have happened to C. Three PO early in the film. And like a, a subplot is they have to rescue C. Three PO, but he's a droid. You know what? And, you know what's kind of funny though, and I don't remember anyone ever complaining about it for the prequels. But C. Three PO really like because a lot of people said in these sequels. Three uh, PO and R two both have really taken a backseat, and they have. Oh, yeah. But C three PO kind of takes a backseat in the prequels. Yeah, they R two to an extent as well, because uh, only R2, one takes R four. R two gets some, yeah, but that's because R two is with Anakin. Yeah, R two gets some real moments of shining in the prequels. There are mm-hmm. there are at least I think we've counted four different times where they're screwed if R two D two is not there. Yep, but C three PO really takes a backseat in the prequels. Yeah, his origin was weird because he's a protocol droid, which are all over the place. But for some reason, our uh, little Anakin wanted to build this one specifically. Well, it was to help his mom out. Yeah, yeah. which is fair and all. You know, that's cute. And then episode two, uh, after they leave, he's still on Tatooine, like helping uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Right. And then three, yeah, he's just kind of there to almost be Padme's best best wine friend. <laughs> it's like, what do I do about this guy, uh, C-3PO? It's like, well, man, it's like, ah, I'm like, on second thought, forgot your C-3PO, never mind. You know what I just I will realized? Say, C-3PO doesn't get as dunked on as he does in the original trilogy. Oh, he gets, he gets dunked on a lot. But... He in, there's some moments in these, especially with in the the droid factor. He's yeah. just like, oh my, so unclean. R two just like, get out of my way. Well, in that okay, so episode two though, those parts with three PO, I found very entertaining, and they had like an original trilogy feel to them. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it is C three PO kind of being the, the the you know the the class clown a little bit. Oh yeah, and that's fun, and that really doesn't happen much of the entire uh, prequels. Um, but one thing, Peter, I just realized. Uncle Owen bought C-3PO back 18 yeah. years later. Oh, my God. I That's never dreadful. put that together. Did they did they secretly wipe o- Uncle Owen's mind, too? <laughs> I get Obi-Wan's doing some kind of voodoo down there, I guess. Cause... You, know, you know what? You know what? Because they wiped C-3PO's mind, so he can't remember Uncle Owen. 
he remembers C-3PO in his gray, uh, gray-colored uh, armor. Not the gold. Oh, then, okay. Yeah. I think that's it. Of course. These are not the droids you are looking for, guys. <laughs> and also, Uncle Owen just came up, especially in episode four, he just came across to me as like, I just want something that can work. He's like, <laughs> you, can you speak this? So he's like, oh, I am fluent in nearly six million languages. Like, yeah, yeah, you'll work. Get, get, get in there, kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, another Uncle- thing. Oh, are you? What do you got, Peter? Oh, no. I'll just say another thing. It's probably thing best I don't make that joke. Lo- <laughs> You're welcome, Ryan. Um, <laughs> another thing I like about the prequels are, we touched on already, the athletic lightsaber rules. Yep. And it goes on through all of them, and I think CGI Yoda needs to get some credit here because Old Man Dooku and Old Man Palpatine, like, you can tell, watch the episode 2 lightsaber duel between uh, Dooku and Anakin. And watch the way that it's cut and edited. Because it deliberately doesn't really show uh, Dooku, like, doing much motion. Because obviously he cannot keep up with 20-year-old Hayden Christensen. Yeah, no. But then when he... Christopher Lee was, like, 70 when that happened. But then... And same goes for Palpatine, too, when uh, he's facing Mace. But Mm -hmm. then when these dudes go face Yoda, they can literally tell them, hey, just wave this stick in the air... (laughs) <laughs> and we'll just fix it in post. <laughs> we'll just have Yoda react. Mm-hmm. So say what you want to about CGI Yoda. I think it is great for those light rules. I will say my least favorite part of the prequels was Yoda fighting. What? One, it just looked a little too ridiculous to me. Like, he's just constantly moving. Like, I get that's how he has to fight. But also from how I viewed him in episode five... I always felt like the point of him was, you know, Luke was looking for, you know, what he thought was going to be like this big, tall person, this imposing figure to be the Jedi Master. Right. And it turns out, oh, it's this adorable little green puppet. That's what I like about Yo's character. He wasn't necessarily a fighter. He was just so good with the Force that he, he didn't even need a lightsaber. That's how I viewed him. And when he started fighting, I was like, okay. I, I guess. Oh, I completely disagree. I I love Yoda uh, fighting. I, I think... I just... Especially because, like, he never really wins either, though. Like, he's not... Like, no. The lightsaber's not his best, you know, use. You know, I, I, I do wish we would have kind of gotten the chance to see him do more with the Force. Um, I'm with you kind of on that one. Oh, same. But, no, I'm all for fighting Yoda. I, that's fair. It's just like, I just never felt that was his character. I mean, he is a Jedi. And Jedis have he lightsabers. Is. And they sometimes, do. and also, it's kind of a last resort thing. Like, Yoda's not out there on the front lines. No. Even in the Coliseum, Yoda's not fighting. Well, in the in the Clone Wars 2D show, he is, uh, he's straight up on the front lines oh, is there. He? Well, well, oh, okay. he is. There's a scene where the clones are like, they have to be pushed back. And he's like, the commander's like, literally like, Go back and Yoda just like rides out in front of him on a horse, like, don't push back, move forward. It's like, I will s- kick. Slicing up super battle droids. But it worked there because of the animation. Sure. I don't know why. CGI Yoda, because the, the puppet was in episode one originally. Mm-hmm. I guess it was because the modern cameras, it just looked off. Yeah, episode one Yoda, I thought it looked creepy. Same with, same with Last Jedi, because they claim that was the original puppet, but I guess maybe it's because the cameras nowadays are just so good. Well, it, It's just kind of like, ooh, 
What's that? Yeah, I think the new one, it works for me, though, because, like, he was also the blue glowy a little bit, though. Yeah. So he didn't have to look exactly like I remembered, and I could still go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, episode one, his eyes, there's just something going on there that's not he looks like for me. He looks like he should be in a Taco Bell drive-thru at 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> that's how Yoda looks in episode one. So, uh, I guess the next thing, because it sounds like we've gone through all the big points, is, I guess the question, why are the prequels being loved again, after being this, the scourge of the internet forever? I think that lies in two factors. Okay. Uh, one, we'll go ahead and call the Peter Lewis factor. Okay. I think this is probably the reason why you, personally, would probably have fallen back towards them. The other one we'll call the Matt Mormon factor. So the Peter Lewis side of it is people hate the sequels. Sequels suck. Ruin Johnson wrecked Star Wars. Hashtag not my Luke Skywalker. Even the prequels are better than these things, right? That's the Peter Lewis reason. I think the Matt Mormon reason is just the like the people that grew up with the prequels have grown up. Yeah. And so, like, the ones who... Because I think a lot of kids really enjoyed the prequels, like, when we were growing up. Like, I think everybody, like, you know, in my class in second grade really enjoyed Jar Jar Binks. You know, I think everybody really enjoyed... you know, Like, when we were kids, I think we thought that was kind of funny. You know, that, oh, here's this walking amphibian dude who <laughs> says Misa. You know, like, it's... Oh, dude. Christmas 2002, and I got that Republic gunship, I was in heaven. Exactly. And, and so I <laughs> that, think... That was the ad-at for me growing up. <laughs> yeah. And I think that for a lot of it, it is just that, yeah, people our age are growing, you know, we've grown up, and we have Twitter, and we're on Reddit, so now our opinions are heard that, hey, these prequels were fun. Yeah. I think that's a big factor. I think that's a bigger factor than people realize. I think... I think, for me, they go hand-in-hand. Because I think I, of course, would make those jokes like, Last Jedi sucks, even the prequels are better. Without watching the prequels, like, in years. And it's like, oh, this is kind of amusing. It's Star Wars, but weird. You know what, Meg? You bring up that factor, and this kind of ties in with the sequels. Like, I wonder if we're going to see that same effect with these movies I bet you we will. Because a lot of people, these are their new Star Wars. These are the ones that are introducing kids to star wars every every day you know there are kids who's you know i personally i remember my earliest star wars memory i was at my grandma's house and the uh trash compactor scene like that's like the first thing i remember and be like whoa that's cool these guys escaped and i remember started playing with my flashlight like i was luke skywalker (laughs) but for a lot of people their first memories are going to be these movies and yeah 20 20 years from now there's gonna be people saying no those you know, episode seven, eight, and nine are the best. You know, these are the ones I grew up with. You know, yeah, Luke Skywalker was on an island, and you know, it was great, and all this stuff. Blue milk, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Does it feel like the original fans have come around to the prequels? It's hard to get a read on them. I think some have. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I would. I, I, yeah, I, I don't entirely know. I think a lot have. Um. But yeah, I would be curious. I think it's also easy. Like, I think the prequels had a lot of benefit that the sequels don't have in that people already 
know what's coming. And you also cannot really wreck, you know, again, Luca's the easy example because that's what everybody gets up in arms about. You know, mm-hmm. even though I love what they did with Luke Skywalker, people, you know, are, oh, you ruined my Luke Skywalker. Well, let's take the prequels here. Did they really ruin anybody? And I don't think they ruined anything. They just made it a little confusing. Sure, but, like, no one's saying hashtag not my Yoda in 2002. Like, even <laughs> if you think that, you know, he shouldn't have fought, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't think anything was, like, egregious enough to where they were like, you know, that's not my Anakin Skywalker. No, yeah. Yoda, I can accept the prequels because that's probably how he was before going to isolation for 19 years. Yeah. He, like I said, he was a Jedi. Jedis have lightsabers. Yeah. It makes sense to me. <laughs> just amu- It's just, his is a little too amusing for my taste. Sure. It's comedic. I kind of wish Yoda would be a little bit more sassy and a little more sarcastic. Because <laughs> he's very sassy and very sarcastic in episode 5. And I love it. Anakin's whining about why he's not a master and Yoda's just straight up roasting him. <laughs> <laughs> and Mace Windu's just like, that was a good one, man. Too you are. That should have been the Yoda-Mace Windu relationship. Mace Windu is every Samuel Jackson character <laughs> in a PG film. But they're just, they're kind of like, uh, oh, uh, the critics in the Muppets. <laughs> they're just insulting everybody. They're joking on everybody. That's what Mason Yoda should have been. They just, they just show up in random scenes making commentary. Yep. <laughs> Listen, j- just give Mason eye patch though. Uh, uh, Stalter and Waldorf. Waldorf. That's right. Those are those are the Muppets critics. Those, those are those are Mason Yoda. <laughs> oh my! If I want that now. <laughs> Can we make Mace a puppet? <laughs> Yoda's like, listen, Anakin. I had to save your ass in that last movie. What makes you think you should be a Jedi Master, huh? Mason's just like, he's like, he's like, just, you know, having his hands, you know, make gestures to Yoda. Like, yeah, what's that, man? What's that? And Obi-Wan just in the background is like, man, this guy's wrecked. You and McGregor's like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> and you know what's funny is because George's humor was very weird. In these films, like, you know, the uh, the space camel that farts and Jar Jar's like, oh, he's a smell. <laughs> I feel like that was def- that could have been in George Lucas's mind. Like, you know, let's, let's, just, let's just have Yoda and uh, Mace Windu roast Anakin Skywalker here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Great. Speaking of CGI characters that are fun, one of my absolute favorites, Dex. The, the, oh, the, my the, the, <laughs> I love Dex's diner, and I hope he That's, gets a spinoff. I forgot that scene was in the movie, and when I rewatched it a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh my... How good your manners are. <laughs> this this one random giant alien in what is the most George Lucas-inspired thing in Star Wars, a 50s diner, somehow knew about Camino. <laughs> that was... It's so weird. I love it. And you know what, though? You get the sense that Obi-Wan has known Dex for years. Like, mm-hmm. I get the sense that Obi-Wan is better friends with Dex than he is with Anakin. He's probably had some drunken nights in that cafe. And that's another side plot. I absolutely love it. I hope they touch on this in the Kenobi. Obi-Wan loves bars. <laughs> <laughs> we better have a drunken escapade in Mos Eisley in this Obi-Wan series. 
<laughs> you know what? Uh, something you guys, I think, would enjoy. It's uh, from a YouTube channel called Arlnauts. They basically did the Star Wars uh, uh, saga, but they're lip dubs. And it's with, like, the maturity of Robot Chicken. <laughs> and that's literally Obi-Wan's character. He's a drunk. <laughs> and it's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I'm going to go get a drink. You want to buy some death sticks? No, I do not want to eat that stick. Uh, you want to go home and rethink scene. your life. <laughs> I'm going to go home and rethink my life. <laughs> I, that scene is wonderful. Look at that. There are some yeah. good, fun times in the prequels. Oh, there, there's a lot of little fun to be had. Yeah. And I think I think now... Because I think, like the original trilogy, they're kind of products of their times. You have to view them through that lens. Now, Star Wars works because it kind of feels like that timeless story. The original, I should say, mm-hmm. the episode four. These, for like the weirdness of the early 2000s, they're kind of like the best example of. Yeah. Yeah. Because they look like they were bad sci-fi films from a couple of years ago. The, the CGI well, is especially doesn't hold two. up too well. But epi- yeah. episode three does. Oh, yeah. Episode three holds up pretty strong, but one, one and two do not, especially one. <laughs> you can tell in two, Mace Windu is looking at a green screen when that clone trooper is talking to him. Yeah, and there's <laughs> even some shots in three where the green screen is very obvious in the background. Like, I remember one of them last night that I was like kind of almost cringe was when Bail Organa was like talking to Yoda on uh, Polis Massa. Oh, it's yeah, like the it, back- looks it, it looks bad. Yeah. Now, I will say, a lot of people said the reason these films were bad is because it was an over-license of CGI than practical effect. I do too. I don't think CGI is bad. No. I think what's bad is when the story is not working. Yeah. Transformers is not bad because the CGI is a junkyard explosion of robots. It's bad because it's just happening. (laughs) There's no reason to get involved. The story sucks. Yeah. It's bad because you are not... If you are not with me, then you are my enemy. That's what's yeah. bad about it. Not most, not Mustafar around that line. No. No. Uh, I guess one uh, one point I want to bring up, I guess, I, as I guess we're getting close to wrapping up here. So we kind of touched on this. Do we think that the, that the sequels could see a change of perception? Matt, you, you said, yeah, because, you know, 20 year difference between now and when Phantom Menace got released and then Revenge of Sith got released in what, 05? Yeah. So there's about 14, 15 years there. So it, I guess, Peter, do, do you think could, that we could see something like that with the sequels? Like maybe some of these kids that have grown up with these movies or maybe somebody like you or some people that like the original trilogy, could we see their perception change? I feel like we have a good gauge for what people think of them now because unlike 99 and even 2005, the internet was way different than what it was, what it is now. Yeah. Like it, it took, a, it took a couple years for those communities to like really get out of, you know, the generic URLs to, you know, the reddits of the world. I think for me and just my problem with the sequels is that, I just don't care what's going on. At least with the prequels, I do. And can accept that, okay, maybe this is what how it began. For like a follow-up, and I think we talked about this when the uh, Rise of Skywalker trailer reaction was, 
the sequels aren't that connected well. The prequels are. And I think that could be... It's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on episode 9. I feel like... Yeah. I can't really answer that question now. I feel like... I mean, for me personally, it's it's probably not a shock to say I'm never going to like the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let, let's just be real here. But I think with this new generation, I mean, they... S- it's hard to tell. I don't know how the gauge is. Because, you know, everyone was... We know how original fans feel. <laughs> they don't like it. And that's reflected in toy sales. Because even if the kids like it, the parents are the ones buying the toys. <laughs> and if they don't want them playing with uh, Blue Milk drinking Luke Skywalker, <laughs> they're not going to buy that action figure. <laughs> so it, it, it's a weird... Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting to see how Star Wars has gone from, you know... The most accidental film ever to being the most controversial film series I think ever created. Yeah, Matt, do you have you, do you have any points to wrap up here? Yeah, um, just just kind of on that, you know, what what are they going to be looked back as? I think no, you know what? Yeah, it does depend a lot on episode nine and yeah. how it wraps up. If it, if if nine sucks, we're gonna because also I think that's going to change how relevant Star Wars is moving forward. Like, if 9 kind of sucks, and there's just less excitement around the franchise as a whole, I don't know how much Star Wars there'll then be moving forward. Disney did say they're taking a hiatus from a film standpoint. Right. So Which we, we know there's some shows coming, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that's the other thing, too. I think it depends. I mentioned uh, earlier how kind of the, you know all the spinoffs that kind of come out of the prequels help kind of elevate the prequels. I think that's another thing that kind of hinges for me on how they're going to be looked at. You know, let's say hypothetically there's a Poe Dameron, you know, TV show that comes down the line that everybody loves and is great. Well, then they're going to look back at those movies differently, I think. A a, a little bit more highly because, hey, that's where Poe came from. We like Poe. He's great. You know, that kind of a thing. Um, I do think that also people, you know, that nostalgia factor is going to be there 20 years from now for these um, we'll, we'll, we'll see on that one. And like I said, it depends a lot on how it ends. Uh, Peter, you did mention though that, yeah, it, it feels like the, one of the things I really loved about the prequels that you don't have in the sequels and we'll see how nine goes. Palpatine's presence is there. Mm-hmm. You know, the emperor is pulling all these strings and in seven and eight, that's entirely gone. And apparently here it is coming back in nine. If it was going to happen in nine, they should have somehow, somehow, I don't know how, I have no idea, but somehow yeah, have made him a presence in seven and eight. Prequels, he's there from the beginning toward the end. Original, we're building up towards him. We, we, we name drop in four, you see him in five, and then six, he's evil, man. Yeah, seven, eight, it feels like he had no purpose, well, and now he, it's like, oh, he, here he is. Well, seven and eight, you're still under the assumption that he's gone. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he the, the Snoke is the new guy. Yeah, so and, and who knows? Maybe we'll find out something about Snoke in Nine. We'll see. Oh, I hope not. Um, but yeah, and so I think that that disjointedness makes them feel so separate from the other ones that uh, we'll see. And, and who knows? Maybe there's even a chance that there'll be new great Star Wars beyond this, and we'll sort of say, eh. Remember that weird rough patch when Disney first got Star Wars? Yeah, that was kind of a bummer, but they really picked up their game since. Low-key, that's my hope. Yeah, that, that, that's, I think, very possible, too. That's very possible in the cards. I feel like what was harder for them in terms of sequels is 
there was so much ideas written about it, you know, from the Thrawn trilogy to all, all those extended universe books. Like, when the prequels were coming out, George Lucas specifically said to uh, people right before uh, they came out, you do not touch anything before episode four. You can do whatever you want after that, but you're not writing about the, uh, a prequel. So we kind of had to really accept the prequels as they were because we didn't have anything to go off on. Yeah, And I think for the sequels, no matter how much you knew about Star Wars, you may or may not have heard like some ideas of what follows. Well, and everybody always kind of could make their own story, right? Oh, Luke's going to exactly. go have the Jedi school. Leia's going to have a purple lightsaber, you know? Exactly. Like, you know, Han and Leia are going to end up happily ever after. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can kind of almost, you know, do the old Madden simulation here. Yeah. And, and you know, then your expectations got subverted and you, you got... <laughs> they should not have broken Han and Leia up. That was, I think, maybe the worst I, thing they've done. I agree. That's not good. That was... That was a bad call, man. Because yeah. Han's story was, he changed. Yeah. And you're telling me he's just going to go back to being a scumbag? Jeez, jeez, JJ. Yeah, forget hashtag not my Luke Skywalker. Hashtag not my Han Solo. And for that matter, hashtag not my Barney Stinson. Because it's literally the exact same thing that happened in the How I Met Your Mother finale. <laughs> I'm still bitter. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, hey, listen, you guys mentioned something coming after these movies. Well, thank you guys for giving me giving me a great transition to talk about what we have coming up on the entertainment channel. So. Oh, entertainment, that's what it's called. Yep. <laughs> there we go. So, that being said, we are going to be having Mandalorian recap shows on the entertainment from the 573 channel. First episode drops November 12th on Disney+. And... And I believe the second episode drops next Friday as well. So me and Peter and Matt, if the schedule's not too filled up, we'll all come together. We'll review these episodes, talk about what we thought about them, and talk about uh, what what we're excited to see going forward with the series. And listen, they've already said that there's going to be a season two with this. And I believe they might have already start pre-production or production on it, so... Yeah, it's getting right around the corner, so that's coming up. I'm excited to do those. Uh, Matt, since you haven't been on, what's your excitement level for Mandalorian right quick? You know what the really fun part about Mandalorian is? Is my excitement level is like, kind of, eh, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm going into it hoping it's going to be really good. You know, I'm going into it, I kind of know nothing. And that's exciting in this climate that we're in. So I'm more excited about nine than I am Mandalorian, but I hope that Mandalorian knocks my socks off. I listen. I hope so too. It sounds from what I've heard, people have loved it, and you got Favreau being the showrunner. You got people like Taika Waititi coming in directing some episodes in there. And I believe he's voicing a droid in this one too. So Mandalorian's coming up. We'll have recap shows for that one. This was fun, guys. This was fun. Mm-hmm. And well, that's not the end. That's not the end of Star Wars because nope, we'll have the Rise of Skywalker prediction podcast, and then of course the review, and then we're just uh, we're never going to escape Star Wars, are we? <laughs> <laughs> this nightmare won't end for me. <laughs> All right, well, everybody, that'll do it, guys. Before we go, real quick, where can everybody find you at on social media? 
the actual Peter. At Real Matt Mormon. Follow me on Twitter. Yep, there you go. Follow me at RyanViews573. That'll do it for this edition of the Entertainment from the 573 Podcast. Be sure to go follow us on all the platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor. Shout out to Anchor for sponsoring this episode, as they always do. Check out the Views channel as well. Dropped a new episode just recently. Check that one out. With that being said, everybody, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you guys next time.